Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about enhancing the spiritual vitality of your church. You know, spiritual fervor is like the tide. Uh, It ebbs and flows in the typical church. Now, this is a, a natural process, but it can also be a frustrating process because quite often the ebb often seems to exceed the flow. <laughs> We'd really like there to be more spiritual vitality. We long to lead in a context where God is moving and active and we see evidence of his supernatural activity. But we struggle. We struggle to enhance this vitality. Now, let me say up front, spiritual fervor cannot be programmed or prescribed. You can't do it. Yet, there are some specific leadership actions that you can take that enhance the spiritual vitality of your church and at least create a context in which a church is seeking God and working toward the kind of spiritual encounters and the kind of spiritual environment that we want to facilitate. So let me break this down into three component sections today. The first one is you personally. In order to enhance the spiritual vitality of your church as a church leader, you're going to have to enhance your own spiritual vitality and give attention to that on a continuing, regular, habitual basis. This is so important because you will never lead your church to rise to stay above the level of your spiritual vitality. Now, to be sure, You can have an occasional worship service or a prayer meeting or a retreat or a conference or something that provides what I'll call a a spiritual spurt, but you will never rise to stay beyond the level of spiritual vitality that you're demonstrating as the leader. So that means that you must commit to spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, spiritual disciplines like scripture memory, Sabbath rest. You must commit yourself to enhancing your own spiritual devotion by the practice of these disciplines. And you have to do that in such a way that you're able to then model for others what you're doing and learning yourself. So the first part of raising the level of spiritual vitality in your own church is for you personally to give attention to these issues in your life. But then growing out of that, in this same section on spiritual disciplines as a personal as a personal expression 
You have to develop a way to consistently teach these basic spiritual disciplines to church members and help them learn how to put them into practice on a regular, consistent, if even with a goal of daily basis. Now, most churches that do this well have either purchased or developed a curriculum that they can use over and over and over again to teach these basic disciplines. Prayer, Bible reading, scripture memory, fasting, and things like this. Now, this could also include other disciplines like witnessing or giving. I'm not trying to give you a comprehensive list today. I'm just simply saying that churches that are focused on creating an environment in which the spiritual vitality is continually enhanced have a way of teaching their members how to personally engage in these spiritual disciplines. And typically, that's done best with a repeatable kind of curriculum that you use a notebook or a workbook or a study course or something that you can do over and over and over and over again. And this creates a commonality of experience and vocabulary, which enables a church to talk about these things and to learn about these things in an effective way. This is also one of the places in a church that one-on-one training is often very effective so that you have men teaching men and women teaching women meeting one-on-one over a period of time, usually it's three, two to three months, to help teach and model and develop these uh, practices in the lives of believers, particularly in the lives of new believers, so that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they're assigned a discipler who walks with them in the early months of their Christian faith and teaches them uh, these basics of Bible reading and prayer and fasting and witnessing and giving and worship attendance and scripture memory and things that really do form the undergirding base of what it means to live out an effective Christian life. So the first strategy, if you will, for enhancing the spiritual vitality of your church is for you personally to practice spiritual disciplines and then for you to develop a way to teach those disciplines to others in your congregation and to teach them in the context of modeling, encouraging, mentoring, and guiding them to get this done, and doing that even even to the point of developing a curriculum that's repeatable so that there's this commonality of experience and vocabulary that rises within a congregation, and then also that's useful in one-on-one training or one-on-one disciple-making. And I strongly advocate that you do this particularly with new believers or with young believers so that you can get them off on the right foot, so to speak, get them started in the right way, and help them to develop spiritually from the very beginning of their Christian faith commitment. So that's the first strategy. Spiritual disciplines, practicing them, teaching them, modeling them, and replicating them throughout a congregation over time. A second strategy, though, for raising the spiritual or enhancing the spiritual vitality of your church is to create an effective, formalized prayer ministry in your church. Now, this can take a number of different forms, and I want to give you about five different ideas today of how I have observed churches uh, leading formal, effective a consistent prayer ministry in a church. Now, the first one of these 
is actually something that I did when I was a young Christian and that our church did effectively for many years. And that is establish a 24-hour intercessory prayer ministry uh, in a church. Now, let me say that I'm not sure that these can be done today in every context, especially every urban context. There are a lot of issues today about building security and personal security that were simply not an issue uh, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago when I was doing these in my church, both as a pastor and leading other uh, and watching other churches do them as well. But that doesn't mean they can't still be done and that we couldn't find creative ways to do 24-hour prayer ministries. So let me just tell you my testimony of how I did it when I was a younger pastor in uh, the church where I first served. We had a uh, door installed into a room in our church building that uh, you could get a key to and come to pray on your assigned hour as we worked our way around the clock, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Now, the first time I joined this ministry, I was actually a college student, and so I figured, hey, I'm young, I'm agile, I've got good health and mobility. I took 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, 3 o'clock in the morning. And so another guy and I would meet on Monday mornings at 3 o'clock in the morning, which we thought was the least desirable time for anybody at all to come to pray. We took that time, and we went every week. Uh, met there together, and prayed together in that prayer room. And we had our own key, as did everyone who was involved in the ministry. You would unlock that door, come in, lock the door behind you, and you were in a room about 12 by 14 uh, that had different uh, guides in it for prayer and different prayer lists and different prayer needs and some comfortable but not too comfortable furniture so you could sit or kneel or uh, lay down, whatever you needed to do. And you could pray for that solid hour. Now, There was a door out of this room into the rest of the church building, but that door was double locked and you couldn't get into there, and so it was a secure and safe environment. Now, again, I'm not telling you to try to do this today, especially in some urban areas. I'm just reporting this as one very effective way that some churches still today can create a prayer ministry. Now, when I moved to my uh, first church, I wasn't in a large enough church to have enough people to pray. 24-7, 365. Uh, We just didn't have enough people. So we modified the plan so that we only prayed a certain number of hours a day. But we created a prayer room, had people sign up and come to the church building to pray. Now, the advantages of this are that it's really helpful for people to maintain accountability because they have an appointment to be at a place to pray. It's also a great location if someone wants to meet someone else to pray, where you can pray with a partner or pray with a a companion of some kind so that you have an accountability uh, in that relationship to pray. And it's also great because you can set up, as I said, uh, different guides and helps to prayer. Uh, You can uh, set up prayer lists and prayer. you know, have prayer requests, and you can set up a notebook of praises of prayers that have been answered. You can also include things like uh, missionary prayer calendars and other kinds of things from national organizations that are asking people to pray. All kinds of things can be gathered together if you have a prayer ministry or a prayer room where a prayer ministry takes place. So the first model for raise for a formalized prayer ministry in your church is this kind of prayer 
uh, ministry 24 hours a day, if you have enough people, seven days a week, where people come to a room and pray. The second way of doing this, though, is just simply prayer groups. Now, this is typically a group that forms to pray once a week or periodically like this. And uh, they come to a certain place. It can be a prayer room or it can be a room at a church building or it even can be at someone's home or even a public place if necessary. Now, these uh, prayer groups can be for any age or any gender. They can be mixed, even mixed gender since you're meeting as a group. Uh, they can be grouped by geography or by ministry need. You might have a group of people that gather to pray in a certain part of a town or in a certain dorm on a college campus. Or there might be people who pray around an affinity, like young mothers getting together to pray or senior adult men getting together to pray, something like that. Uh, they, but the, the key thing is that there's an organized group that meets together uh, periodically, usually like once a week or once a month or something like that, for the specific purpose of prayer. Now, my wife, for example, has been a member of a group like this for probably about 15 or more years. Uh, it's, a meeting, it's a prayer meeting here at the seminary. And every spring and every fall semester, uh, the prayer meeting goes on every week. It meets during noontime, and so people can use their lunch break if they choose, come to the prayer meeting, and uh, the the employees, students, whoever wants to come, comes together to pray. So that's a second model. A third model is used predominantly by Korean churches in our area uh, and around the world. It's an interesting uh, process of having daily early morning prayer. Now, on weekdays, this is usually at 6 a.m. On weekends, it's usually at 7 a.m. And these are worship services that are focused almost entirely on prayer. So that at, say, 6 a.m., there's scripture reading, maybe just one song or something like that. And then the people start praying together. Sometimes there's someone who's giving prayer prompts, like we're praying today for missionaries, or we're praying today for the outreach of our church, or we're praying today for our youth ministry, or maybe there's more than one of these prompts. But nevertheless, there's someone who's giving guidance to go along in this way. Now, if you've ever been to an early morning prayer meeting in a Korean church, you know another thing about this, which can be a little disconcerting to people from other cultures, is Oftentimes, everyone in the service prays out loud all together, all at the same time. Now, as I said, this can be disconcerting for someone who's used to praying, having one person pray at a time and having prayer be a fairly quiet, reflective experience. When you have uh, anywhere from a dozen to a few hundreds of people praying all at the same time, all out loud, all in Korean, you wonder, well, how do you actually even do that and maintain your train of thought? But interestingly enough, I spoke with a woman who's been going to one of these prayer meetings for probably more than 40 years in her church. I said, how do you, how do you learn to pray everyone out loud all at the same time? And isn't that hard to do? And she said, oh, no, it's so much easier. She said, when you pray in your church, only one person is praying and everyone is listening. And she said, it would be so hard for me to pray out loud in front of that many people. But if everyone's praying, I know I'm only focusing my attention on God and not on what anyone else around me is saying or thinking about my prayer. 
Wow, what a different perspective. But it is a model that some churches ought to try, not just Korean churches, but to have an early morning prayer meeting where people can come together and start their day in prayer. Well, that's a third model. Here's a fourth one. Another model that churches have used effectively and that we used in a church when I was a pastor is something called a prayer summit model. Now, a prayer summit is when you call people together for an intense but relatively short period of prayer. So, for example, uh, our church would have two prayer summits a year. And those prayer summits would usually last from like Friday evening through Sunday morning. And we would set up prayer stations and prayer opportunities at the church. And we would ask people to come to pray. And we'd have a different prayer leader, for example, maybe every hour on the hour. And we would simply, with whoever came, have that one-hour prayer meeting. And so we would have 12, 24, even 36 straight hours of prayer going up from our church, about the ministry of our church, and other issues for which we were concerned. Now, what's the advantage of a prayer summit? First of all, it has the advantage of all these other things I've mentioned in that it calls everyone together for prayer, and it gets an entire church focused on prayer and on what that can do in transforming their lives. Another advantage of a prayer summit, especially in urban areas or in other places where there's a lot of commute time, even commute time to church, is that you're not asking people to come every week or to gather for a prayer group or come to a prayer room or to do anything like that on a regular or consistent basis. Instead, you're saying, we're asking you for a commitment, for a significant commitment, but to come sometime over this weekend and make it a real priority to be a part of this prayer summit. Now, doing these um, also gives you the opportunity uh, to vary the time, vary the focus, and to vary the structure of how you do them, while at the same time still calling everyone to this high pinnacle moment. That's why I like Prayer Summit as a title. We're going up the mountain, so to speak. We're going up the pinnacle to the peak. We're going up to the moment where we're going to meet God at the highlight, at the height, at the summit. Um, There's other people who call these by other names, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, prayer dirge or prayer meeting or something like that. Uh, But I really like summit the best because it doesn't really have that kind of a stale or even negative kind of a title to it. It's more like we're going to go to the top and we're going to do something important there, and that is we're going to meet God for prayer. So you can try some of these different approaches, a 24-hour prayer ministry, a consistent prayer group, an early morning prayer meeting, or a prayer summit that happens maybe once or twice or three times a year. Uh, for a whole day or maybe over a weekend or something like that where you really focus everyone coming together for prayer. And then a final way to do this is to pray with, uh, to, to pair people up in your church to pray as prayer partners. Just saying, we're pairing people up for prayer and we're asking everyone to meet together to pray for 15 minutes to an hour a week to really focus on praying for each other, for each other's families, 
for the ministry of our church and for the larger work that we're doing here in our community and around the world. And you can put not only these pairs together, but then you can put materials together that you can send out, you can email, you can communicate by some means that gives people some handles, if you will, on praying well together. Now, I have two friends that started praying together every Friday morning before they went to work in the mid-1990s. And that prayer meeting, the two of them, went on every Friday with rare exceptions for almost 30 years. Now, when I say rare exceptions, they would uh, miss if one of the other of them was away on vacation or if one of the other of them was sick. They weren't legalistic about this, but they had a commitment. They both wanted to pray for each other, for their families, for their work and their ministries through their church. And these two men, uh, both executives, both leaders, both busy, carved out an early morning hour on Fridays to pray. They met from 6 to 7 when they were both employed, but then after they retired, they got soft in their old age, and they moved it back to 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but they met for that rock-solid hour. And I talked to these men about that prayer, prayer partnership they had made. And they both said, you know, we, we don't chit-chat. We don't spend a lot of time catching up on the news or doing any kind of, uh, you know, church meetings. We, we get together. We say a few things uh, of welcome, some maybe, you know, good morning time. We maybe read a scripture together, something like that. But within just a minute or two after we get together, we are before God and we are praying. All of these ways, prayer meetings, with a, excuse me, prayer partners, early morning prayer meetings, prayer summits, prayer groups, 24-hour prayer ministries, all of these are ways that you can facilitate formalized commitment to prayer in your church. Now, let me just say one more thing that could interweave into several of these, and that is what happened in our church during COVID. Our pastor has always been aggressive about leading a Monday night prayer meeting, and over the years, he's led this prayer meeting personally and usually has 15, 20, 25 people who come to it. When COVID happened, he had to dismiss the prayer meeting. We couldn't meet together, but he didn't want to give up on praying, and so he organized a Zoom prayer meeting, and he learned how in Zoom to put people into small groups to pray. So on Monday night, 7 o'clock, he announced his Zoom prayer meeting. He said he would read scripture, make a few brief introductory comments, lay out a few prayer needs, and then divide people into groups to pray, and then call them back together for a broader general prayer at the end. 125 people signed up to pray and showed up on that first Zoom call. Are you kidding me, he said? What have I been missing all these years? So as he investigated it, he discovered that there were people who didn't like to drive at night or people who didn't want to commute two days in a row after being there all day on Sunday, people who had family obligations like caring for an aging relative or who had children at home doing homework they couldn't leave, people that couldn't come out on a Monday night because their husband or wife worked shift work and they had to be home with their children, all kinds of reasons people couldn't come to a church to pray, but people who really wanted to pray. So this Zoom prayer meeting replaced the in-person prayer meeting, and when COVID restrictions went away, 
pastor said, we're going to stay with the Zoom prayer meeting because more people are praying with me and for our church through this means than we're doing in the old prayer meeting model that I was using. I think this technology can be used in a lot of creative ways with several of these different suggestions I've given, but all of these ways are ways to pray, to enhance, to enhance the spiritual vitality in your church. So first big category, spiritual disciplines. You've got to practice them. You've got to teach them. Second big category, prayer focus. Call people together for prayer in one or more of these ways that I've described. Now, the third way I want to talk about raising the spiritual vitality or enhancing the spiritual climate of your church is this. Learn to give good opportunity for public response and for spiritual response in your services. I am so discouraged today by churches that do not give opportunity for response in their services. And you're thinking, oh, you want to come forward and get saved invitation. Well, I wouldn't mind that, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about right now, simply giving people a chance to respond, maybe to be saved, maybe to join the church, maybe just to respond, to have someone pray with them. For example, a church here in our area in Southern California, every Sunday morning as a part of their service has a prayer invitation for people to come for someone to pray with them. And they don't just tack it on at the end. They schedule their service to include these five to seven minutes for people to come for prayer. And they don't rush through it or tack it on at the end or let the preacher go too long. I mean, this is a vital part of their ministry. And so when they give the public invitation on Sunday, they say, if you'd like to become a Christian, you can come talk to someone right now or you can go to the booth in the foyer where it says next steps and they'll help you take your next steps toward Jesus. If you'd like to join our church or talk with someone about doing that, if you'd like to be baptized, if you'd like to make other, some other kind of spiritual commitment, or if you just need prayer, you need prayer for a job or prayer for rent to money, or you need prayer for healing in your family, or you need prayer about a medical concern, whatever you need prayer about, this is your moment to come. And then the pastor says, and now prayer partners are going to be across the front and 20 or 30 people in this large church stand up and walk to the front. And he said, now they're waiting for you. If you need any help today, if you need any kind of prayer, this is your moment. You please come. And they stand and they have quiet music and people stream down those aisles to be prayed for. So a third way to raise or enhance the spiritual vitality of your church is to create opportunities for people to respond to God. How can we sing and preach and pray and not give people an opportunity to respond? And this business... Well, you go home and make application, or you go home and think about it. That's not what I'm talking about. That's so disingenuous. We've just preached a compelling gospel. We've sung about an inviting God. We've prayed that God would work in the lives of people who are gathered for worship. And then at the end, we say, eh, whatever. No, no. Build into your worship planning meaningful time of response where people can experience God and commit to God and do business, if you want to say it that way, with God in the context of worship. You say, oh, I don't want to put people on the spot or I don't want people to feel awkward or I don't want people, what what, what are you talking about? People came to a building that 
is designed for the worship of God and place themselves under the guidance of people whose expertise is leading in the worship of God. They have come to a place and place and put themselves under the leadership of others for the very purpose of having an encounter with God. And then at the end we say, well, whatever. Apply it as you will. <laughs> no. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you to make response a meaningful part of worship. And you say, well, we tried that. It didn't work. Did you try it for two years, three years? Did you try it until people got accustomed to this as a part of what it means to worship? I'm challenging you today to raise the level of spiritual vitality in your church by giving people the moment they need to experience God and to crystallize that in the context of worship. And then to celebrate, to celebrate God at work in those moments. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, we cannot program or prescribe spiritual vitality. We cannot leverage God into action. And nothing I've said on this podcast implies anything different. But we can create a climate, if you will, a strategic framework, if you please. We can do those things to enhance spiritual life. Practice spiritual disciplines and teach other people to do the same. Build into the lives of your members. Encounter with God. Call people to prayer. By any of these half dozen means I've mentioned today, focus your church in prayer. And then, finally, create opportunities for public response to crystallize in the moment God's activity and then celebrate it as part of his work in your congregation. While we cannot force it to happen or assure that it will happen, we are spiritual leaders and it is our responsibility to enhance spiritual vitality. Put these things into practice as you lead on. <laughs>